read it this time. For the game. Oh my god. Let me just do some boomer shit here that I've written down. Uh, so the categories are old game of the year, most surprising game of the year, best exclusive game of the year, best new character, best moment in games 2021, most disappointing game, worst ongoing series or genre, biggest news story, most anticipated game, and if there is time, we will start on the top seven games of the year, top five will be ranked, and then two honorable mentions. Uh, and then we we don't we don't follow the rules. Aren't you uh, uh, aren't you missing biggest news story and most anticipated game? No, I said those both. Oh well, never mind. Yep, before the top seven thing, I was just going real fast. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say we don't we don't uh, hold people to the law. Obviously, if someone gives an answer that we feel is out of bounds, we will uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll discuss it, we'll we'll make you defend your life, so to speak. Uh, we'll make you into an idiot sandwich, uh, but it, it it doesn't matter. Uh, we don't take this too seriously, and uh, it's just for a good time. Read what is the old game of the year. So my old game of the year for 2021 was the Resident Evil 2 remake for PlayStation 4. Um, yeah, so like like I've said before in this podcast, I've never played a Resident Evil game before. I bought that when it came out, but I never ended up playing it because I was too scared. Uh, this year, I finally worked up the courage and decided to go headstrong into it, and goddamn, glad I did. Super fun to play, uh, incredible level design, um, tight, concise gameplay, smooth frames, uh, yeah, fantastic game, was happy to play it, played it like three or four times, and I uh, went on to play Resident Evil 3 because of it, and yeah, just and here you are awesome. Now. Yeah. Uh, my old game of the year goes to Skyrim, specifically the anniversary day. <laughs> 2021 was the year of like the backlog and catching Todd up. Todd Howard, playing. you did it Todd again. Todd Howard. <laughs> he did it, Todd Howard. <laughs> Smattering of a plot. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, if you can take a game that's ten years old and you can make me f- feel even one tenth like I'm playing it for the first time, that's pretty special. And the anniversary edition uh, was that for me. It was just a nice cleaned up version of that game uh, with some some extra bells and whistles. I don't like using user created mods that aren't like Creation Club mods. That's just me. Hey. Do you, do you, you, those elves can have the biggest dicks you want. I don't care. But uh, for me, uh, the survival mode and, and us kind of talking about Skyrim and, and taking it slow, you know? Yeah. Just, just not being able to fast travel or just smelling the roses of Skyrim and appreciating uh, this game that has mostly become a meme uh, for what it, what it truly is. And that is, uh, a, it's a master, it's a masterpiece, I think. It's, I think. In its own weird way, despite how bad it is, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's flawed. It's a yeah. flawed masterpiece. Yeah, like, but, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how any way else to put it because there's so many things that are just bad about it. But despite all of that, it all works in its favor to be like this pseudo-fantasy life simulator that you kind of experience. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 it is uh it's not a video game anymore. It's it's above that. Like you know those horror <laughs> movies. Like I shouldn't say horror movies. Like you know those movies or shows where like a person is transported to like a fake world and they're sure. like they're interacting with the John people, Carter of Mars yeah. and like those people just start repeating the same lines and they realize they're in like this fucking horror movie. Like that would be like Skyrim. Would be like, oh god, I can only say like two things to this person. Oh shit. Oh god. <laughs> but like you you know. Like, you know when you go to Riverbend, you know you're going to see Sven walking down the street. Riverwood, you, know? you mean. How dare you. Sure, sure. Okay. You know what? That's enough. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> most surprising game of the year. 
Uh, so my most surprising game of the year this year was Chivalry 2 for the play, for the PC. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so me and my buddy bought it on a whim because we like we wanted to just find like this multiplayer game where you could wreck shit. Uh, I thought you were going to put Aliens. I thought you were going <laughs> to say Aliens. It's not that good of a game. Um, uh, you might see it later, though, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we bought it on total whim. It was cheap, and we're like, okay, like, you know, who knows what this will be like. Goddamn, like, super fun, uh, easy to pick up, something that you can blast away for 30 minutes an hour uh, with your buddy. Uh, really fun situations that happen because of it and really gets you immersed and into it. Nothing but good things to, sh- to say about Chivalry. Visceral. Yeah, visceral, yeah. yeah. To say about Chivalry 2, if you have 50 bucks to spend and enjoy, uh, like, simple yet uh, easy to understand but hard to master uh, controls with uh, unique combat settings with PvP. It's good time. Well, my most surprising game of the year, and we've already kind of talked it to death earlier in this episode, so just go listen to that. Uh, the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy has to be it. Like, oh my uh, god! Other I'm than Idos Montreal, other than Idos Montreal being being attached to it, and you being like, well, they know their way around a video game for the most part. Uh, the the taste in my mouth from that Avengers game and anything to do with Marvel or the MCU or, or comic book games is kind of. Man, like, you know, I'll, t- I'll play another Spider-Man. I'll play another Wolverine. But a Guardians of the Galaxy game where they're this talky and they're this... Uh, uh, and then you play it and you're like, oh, this is good. Uh, this, oh, well, maybe this is great. Uh, and that is... Hey. Uh, I feel so bad for them uh, that their game has to be, like, this backhanded... Like, you know that game's actually good instead of people just embracing it uh, like they may have if they knew what it was or if Square Enix didn't fucking muddy the water so bad. Uh, but here we are. That is hey, the most surprising got, game of the year. I got nothing but love for Idos Montreal. They made uh, Deus Ex, man. Fucking the Deus love. Deus Ex. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. What is the best exclusive game of the year, Reed? Um, so for this one, I gave it to Ratchet and Clank: A Rift Apart for the PlayStation Five. This one was kind of hard because, like, like even something like Halo, you can't really consider an exclusive if it's on two different consoles at this point. Um, and even then, I would think Ratchet and Clank, I enjoyed my overall experience out of it more in the end. Uh, but Ratchet and Clank, uh, Ripped Apart, was a very competent, well-done, tight package of a video game. Uh, paced very well. Uh, good variety of weapons, good story, good characters. Uh, not the best Ratchet and Clank game, in my opinion, but a very strong contender. Easily in the top three, probably. Um performed great didn't experience any bugs very wide variety of gameplay and a fun new game plus setting uh as far as just like a classic video game experience it brought me right back to when i was fucking like 10 years old uh with my playstation 2 on christmas morning with uh going commando so i got nothing but positive things to say about ratchet and clank rift apart wow the way i think of it is just like i i don't currently have a ps5 and it's like, do I? Do, is there a game that came out this year that I don't have access to? I thought about like Returnal. I thought about like Ratchet and Clank, and I'm like, I could live forever without oh, yeah, having. Did, yeah, yeah, my my PlayStation Five is my Demon Souls and Bloodborne machine, and I can play Red Dead on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I think about yeah, Halo Infinite, and just being like, well, it's not a great game, 
uh, but it, and it's not really exclusive anymore. It's on PC. It's on it's on Xbox. Yeah. I think of Nintendo. And I'm like the the answer here in terms of math, in terms of money uh, generated by a game, the answer is actually Mario Party Superstars is the best exclusive game of 2021. <laughs> but then I had to extrapolate that further and say that without competition, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Edition for the Switch is technically the best exclusive game, and it's still a game this that is. Year? No, it came out the year the Switch came out, but it's it's outselling everything else. But that, uh, it so, has to be this year, doesn't it? I know, I know. I got philosophical about it. Uh, so I was like, "What? So what is the best exclusive then?" And I'm like, "The thing that is has generated the most hype, and that I would most want to try." So without having played it, I would say that the best exclusive game of the year is Halo Infinite, and that's kind of a that's kind of it's me shitting on the year. Yeah. yeah, it is a weird. It, it was a quantified answer. It was just like if I didn't have an Xbox, if I didn't have a PC that could run it what game would I be most curious to try based on what people are saying about it? Now, consider that people are saying that this game is a 9 and a 10 mm, uh, and that yeah. the grappling hook is great and that the story is, hey, it's old. old I'd be like, oh, man, I want, I like old Halo. I want to play that. And then I'd play it and I would be very disappointed. <laughs> but I'm going to say that in terms of an exclusive, in terms of a console mover, in terms of a conversation generator, uh, that that's the one. It's Halo Infinite. It's bigger, bigger than anything Sony put out this year in terms of conversation yep uh next best new character so for me this was an easy choice and this was commander shepherd from mass effect legendary edition keeping in mind that i did not play mass effects before this so legendary edition was my first exposure to the game series um commander shepherd like it i can't think of many other protagonists that i played as that i f have fallen in love with as much as i did with shepherd like maybe Geralt. um like Kratos, of course, um, like Final Fantasy characters sometimes and stuff like Joel. that. Joel, yeah. But like Commander Shepard is just like, like since they're their own, they're their own person. And in a lot of cases, you don't have control over them, but you can generally steer the direction their personality veers. So it's kind of like you're forming a friendship with this character uh because you help them out but they're still their own person it's hard to like it's hard to put into words but um i picked femme shepherd for all three games so i i know jennifer hale and i thought personally she did a much better performance than uh mark muir even though he was great as male shepherd but i thought femme shepherd uh was a very unique character especially for the time because it wasn't like um it wasn't like this female a strong character that constantly needed to assert that she was a strong female character. She just was. Well, because uh, it's the exact same dialogue, either yeah, Shepard, right? Yeah, and it felt so natural. And it's like, yes, if like that's what I imagine the future being is not like, like no one, like th like there's nobody on both sides arguing about any of this stuff. It's just it's so natural and. Um, and great and her performance was fantastic and her interactions with all the characters and Garrus and uh Tolly was just fantastic and Mass Effect 3 was just a wonderful game and Jennifer Hale's performance was just just fucking wonderful um so yeah Sh Commander Shepard one of my favorite characters of all time easily uh I always have trouble with this one I'm, I always try to think of a character that's like new and has endeared me obviously in Animal Crossing uh there's there's 
Wardle, I believe his name is. There's been a ton of new characters introduced there that are all fantastic. Uh, but I want to shout out uh, the game Boyfriend Dungeon in some way. I think this is the place to do it. And that I felt the writing, for the most part, in that game was pretty solid. Uh, you get a really eclectic group of characters, uh, and you have uh, very different interactions with them, depending on what you divulge and, and how you go. Uh, but I laughed out loud at a character in that game, the Tall War, named Sunder, uh, who is like this himbo, he's got his shirt open all the time, just eight-pack abs, uh, brown skin, long hair, holding a rose in his teeth kind of dude. And uh, he, the whole time, he's mysterious and he's brooding, and he's not what I was going for in that game, but he's the first guy you meet, and he's the first weapon you get, and it's uh, you, you do a lot with him earlier on tutorial-wise, and then later on you can explore your, your relationship, and I kind of just shut this person out the whole time. So when the twist happens, where Sunder reveals that he's actually like a 200-year-old vampire, and he's trying to like act like this has shattered my world, and like it's really shook me up, and I just no-sell it, it was making me laugh out loud the way, the way it was written. Uh, where someone thought, like, well, what if someone doesn't give a shit that there's a vampire in this game? And they let they left a path there for me, and I had a really funny interaction with that character who just kind of then becomes obscure uh, in, in your story of that game. But a lot of the characters in that game uh, have, have their moments, uh, and uh, I'm going to say that that character really stood out for me, and that moment in particular really stood out to me as, as being good. But uh, honestly, uh, if I could say, like, also Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, like, this version of Drax yeah. is maybe a character I want to see pro proceed in video games. Like, if they make a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 video game somehow and Drax isn't in it, I'd be bummed because, like, that that characterization of him is so fucking good. Uh, okay, we're, we're running up to 50 minutes here, so this is probably going to be a splitter. Uh, we can keep going. We can stop. What are, you, what are you feeling, Reed? That's entirely up to you, man. Uh, I can send you two files or I can send you one. Let's try to hit... Two more categories, All right, and then we'll, we'll save the rest. Yeah, let's do best moment in games 2021. Easy, uh, FF Stinger <laughs> Paradise memes. That's it. <laughs> uh, the the edgy ones, the punching chaos, the the iPod. It's all it's all there. It's all great. It makes absolutely no sense for this to be Fucking a Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense for this game to be a Final Fantasy One prequel. It looks like shit. Chaos. Yeah, it looks like a slower Dark Souls two somehow. Uh, but like it has a job system, so I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> it's uh, you you went a different way uh, with that. I I looked at best moment in games as like a moment that happened in a game you played, but that is a completely valid. Uh, you're you're saying the best thing that came out of video games in 2021 was, was, was that fucking trailer that was taking itself all seriously. And yeah. That dude shows up in that in that t-shirt, and he just keeps saying chaos, and he won't fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my best moment in games, uh, and I'm I'm like bastardizing these categories just to fit in games that I can't fit in otherwise. Uh, is is I told my wife about that game unpacking, and then she just goes into the Xbox store on PC. And she just downloads it and starts playing it. I'm like, that game's not out until tomorrow. And she's, like, actively playing it. And I'm like, well, look at you. Playing a game. <laughs> you, a, you did a it. Early. I proceeded to watch her play the whole thing, basically. Just, like, over her shoulder, watching her put, do this unpacking game. And it's a tough game to watch in that it's a game about organization. It's very free form. Uh, so to watch what someone would do to put something away, how someone would organize something versus how you would organize something, it becomes, like, a backseat gaming game for sure. But I tried to just keep my uh keep my cool every time you go to a new level in that game uh there's a moment where you're disoriented uh all you know is that you've you've moved you're in a new place 
Who are you? Are you the same person? Do you have the same stuff? Why are you here? What has transpired? And a lot of people are giving this game kudos in terms of its storytelling because of this, because it is entirely telling a story through its gameplay, uh, through what you're... So you like, you open up a box and you see you see this little thing that this person has had in their life since she, she was a kid, since she moved into that house uh, how many levels ago. Then you move in with a boyfriend and you still have some of your things. Now there's nowhere to put anything and you have a lot of doubles of things. Uh, that's how that game tells its story. It never just has dialogue or t- it says this is what's happening now. It's uh, it's telling you those moments with opening up the box and seeing what's inside, seeing what's important to this character, where they are now, what they've decided to take with them, and where they could be going in the uh, in the future. It's it's kind of powerful in this game that was basically just made by people who make UIs, and they're just like, we can make a real snappy clean-up-your-room game. Who would play this? And it turns out everybody would play this. That's an excellent, chill-sounding game. But then to also put that little bit of, I'm assuming, intentional heart uh, into how you're telling your story and what, what items this person's bringing. Uh, one one moment uh, in particular that confuses people is you clearly move out of your boyfriend's house and you move back with your parents at one point in the game. And uh, you're going through your stuff and you're pulling all your, your shit out again. And there's a picture of presumably you and him. And people get confused by this item as to what they're supposed to do with it. The game is very free and loose as to what, where you can put stuff away. If you want to put the t- toothbrush in the bedroom, go for it. Uh, but it wants you to specifically hide this item. and then So people would put it in the garbage can and try to light it on fire, try to put it under their pillow and stuff like that. And it wouldn't work. And it specifically just wanted you to put it in a drawer out of sight. Uh, and that was maybe the, the most, most forceful part of the game in terms of its storytelling, in terms of a moment where you just you understand no, not a word has been spoken in this game, but you understand what this item is and what it means to the character you're representing. And it's very interesting. I think you could agree. Uh, if, uh, so here's the thing about unpacking. <laughs> it turns out it, the person in the photo is your sister. Oh, my God. Uh, it turns out that it, it, like, it's like other games could learn from this. Other games could be subtle. Uh, obviously, this is a game that demands your attention. It's putting an item in your hands and telling you to, to regard it. Uh, but then there's st- stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. I go into Drax's bedroom, and he has sarcasm for dummies sitting on his bed. And then later on, I see him just in the common room, and he's reading it. He's like he's like halfway through the book. Uh, and then I see later on that he's further through the book. This is something that the game does not bring attention to. But if it's, it's something that you've noticed, it makes it feel that much more full and like like a living breathing thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to most disappointing game. Oh, this one's easy for me again, and it's Halo Infinite. Nice. Um, so after <laughs> enjoying the multiplayer and the opening bit of Halo Infinite, I was very much uh, ecstatic for the rest of the game. Um, especially hearing all the 9 out of 10 reviews, 10 out of 10 reviews, uh, everybody's saying like, oh, it's like the best exclusive of the year. Yeah. Best exclusive of the year. It's like (laughs) easily, like it's, it's a return to form for Halo. And then I like played like the two, like the other two thirds of the story and I was vastly disappointed. Um, we've covered it in length on previous episodes, so I won't go into it in any great depth, but, uh, it completely abandoned Halo 5 in like two seconds, which... I feel like that's too quick to just, like, completely... I feel like there's an entire game missing here, essentially. An entire story missing here. Uh, sudden if you're going to replace it with something better, that's fine, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, sudden changes in character, morality, like, in, two, in, a, in like a snap, and uh, it completely deflates the effectiveness of their turn in previous games. Um, yeah, just, like, 
the same enemies coming back that we faced since Halo One, um, stuff like that. Like it's it's just super. It was disappointing to say the least. And yeah, we yeah. covered it in length, so I won't go into it. Yeah, uh, that was a a big consideration. It's my honorable mention for this. Uh, but the true most disappointing game for me, and you know, it's a pandemic. This is when they decided to do this thing. But this, the, the idea that they decided to do this at all. So let's think about MMORPGs. Let's think about uh, Final Fantasy XIV uh, and how they completely relaunched it. And now it's one of the biggest games of all time. Like you, sure. you queue up for, for five hours to just get into the game. They had to take it off sale because too many people were playing it. Uh, that kind of <coughs> stuff. So when I heard that they were going to relaunch the like almost 10-year-old Fantasy Star Online 2 that they were going to do the work and actually remake that game in a, like, from the ground up, everybody can start on an even level, uh, like, kind of sub-game to this first game. I was like, man, are they going to put the time in to make that worth it, to make it a full game? Or are we going to be guinea pigs, or this is just going to be, what is this? And then I played it, and it was not very good. Uh, there are some major differences to the to the combat from the first game, but otherwise it is the exact like they they didn't in like not that I was expecting them to they didn't really change anything up. It still feels like a ten year old game. the The onboarding, the story, everything is very streamlined, uh, and it does it get you to understand how Fantasy Star Online Two works faster, better? Is it a better onboarding game? Absolutely, one hundred percent, yes. But then that's all there is. Uh, it teaches you how to play the game, and then you may as well go back to the original, very daunting, like, stepping into a Japanese uh, MMO ten years after it's been out, the amount of content and things to do uh, that the game doesn't really point you towards is is ridiculous. But that content is still there, and I would still like to enjoy that. So maybe the idea would have been better to do, like, a WoW classic. You know, they, like, started WoW over, and it's like, no expansions, it's it's vanilla WoW for a couple of years, and then we're going to introduce the first one, blah, blah, blah. On paper, sounds great, and on paper, sounds like something I would want out of Fantasy Star 2, but then I realize I'd be pl- still playing that 10-year-old game with even less bells and whistles, with even less to do, and I think that that game has just passed me by, and that Sega's attempt here in New Genesis to reboot Fantasy Star Online 2, this massive game in Japan that they took too long to release in North America, is super disappointing. And that uh, this game that, that, you know, I should be all over. Fantasy Star Online is one of my favorite games of all time uh, that I just have to kind of pass up at this point. And if I was going to play a game like this, it wouldn't be this one. It'd be Destiny or something like that. If I wanted to just play a game that has endless content and good gameplay, uh, it wouldn't be Fantasy Star. So that's disappointing to me. But also Halo is fucking disappointing. I agree. Yeah. Hi, it's time for your Game of the Year main event of the evening. Uh, last week, we uh, we started in on uh, part one. We started at the end of the episode uh, with the old Game of the Year, most surprising Game of the Year, best exclusive Game of the Year, best new character, best moment in games 2021, which I have changed uh, since that, uh, and most disappointing game. Uh, we talked about today, we will have worst ongoing series or genre, biggest news story, most anticipated game, and of course our top seven games of the year, including a top five ranked, and two honorable mentions. But first, Reed, we shoot the shit. That's how podcasts work, we just talk about nonsense. Uh, are you a Dorito man? Uh, like Doritos? Yeah, I don't mind them. Uh, I picked up Flaming Hot Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, I had one of those on the weekend because my buddy had them. Uh, I was expecting a... Okay, so you know they did, like, Doritos roulette. This is gamer-related. It's Doritos. Let's yeah. be honest here. 
they did the Doritos Roulette, which was the regular Doritos, but every like tenth chip or so was a flaming hot Dorito. Sure, that was pretty good. Uh, this I was expecting kind of the same. I was expecting a mix of Cool Ranch and Flaming Hot. Not the case. It is a Cool Ranch Dorito with the Flaming Hot powder put on top of it. Yep, that's that's literally what it is, and it tastes yeah. exactly what you think it is. Cut cut your ass into pieces. Yeah, this is your last resort. Uh, Reed, you had a good weekend. Yeah, I played a lot of Bloodborne and uh, streamed some Dark Souls, and uh, I watched some fights with my buddies. And um, there you go, yeah. big UFC. Yeah, yeah. I uh, what what the fuck else did I do? I uh, we got a new coffee table, one that you know if you like wow. lift the top, it like lifts up, and there's a compartment underneath. Oh shit! You had to put all your fucking devices and uh, you know your your smoke <laughs> bowls and shit in there. It's good time. Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Put a, put a mini fridge in there. Mm-hmm. That's the next step. Uh, they sell them at Chapters now. You can get a battery-operated mini fridge. I, I don't need one. I live thing. in an apartment, so my fridge is pretty close no matter where Your I'm at. Your fridge is never more than six feet away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, without further ado, now that the kibitzing is out of the way, Reed, uh, let's finish up our game of the year. Let's put 2021 to bed. Oh I spent my, my weekend fucking mopping up i was taking out the trash uh i was finishing up a bunch of indie games i never got around to uh finishing i went way deeper into guardians of the galaxy i feel more well equipped now uh to to level a uh uh uh, choice on on my game of the year that i didn't a week ago i'll be honest with you so without further ado where, where did I say we ended up? Uh, we are on the worst ongoing series or genre. Reed, what have you chosen? Uh, I choose this with a little bit of an asterisk because one of these games, I think, technically came out in 2020. I don't remember. Uh, but it's definitely like the Destiny clone service game. Like, we're going to take this game and turn it into like some sort of weird looter shooter fucking pay for skin bullshit. So, like, Avengers, uh, Outriders, there was that Rainbow Six game. Um, yeah. Yeah, these are all guilty parties. Um, nobody has still beat Destiny when it comes to just, like, how, how good the game is in comparison to how uh, much grinding is required. Um, I'm not intending to shit on your point, but I'm going to. That Outriders was never intended as a live service game. It is a everything in Outriders is available in the game, single player, and they never intended it to be a Destiny. It's just copying Destiny. It's just copying a looter shooter. Right? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, my point isn't so much against like games being like how Destiny is set up. More like because I'm not like I'm not at all opposed to. My, like, my issue is not with the fact that Destiny has in-game purchases, because you can totally ignore those, and those don't affect... Like, you can get the best stuff in Destiny without those. I just think that, like, these games are all lazy, and it's like... Like, oh, we'll just do what Destiny did. You just you go into the level, you fight three waves of the same enemies, and then you kill the boss, and at the end of the game, you're fighting three waves of the same enemies you fought since the beginning of the game, and then a boss. Um... Hell yeah. But the numbers get bigger. So. Yeah, but the numbers get bigger. Um, <laughs> the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, like I, like, I don't think they're all... Like, they're all not seeing what makes Destiny Destiny, and that's, like, the fucking best shooting mechanics in gaming. Um, like, if Destiny didn't have that, no one would fucking play that game. Like, uh, so all these other games basically haven't got the gist that they either had, need to have, like, amazing gameplay in one aspect, or they need to streamline or... Uh, 
adjust the destiny aspects in such a way that the game's more appealing. I think something like the division gets a bit closer to being its own thing at that point. Um, yeah. But like Avengers, Outriders, the Rainbow Six, like none of this. This ain't it for me. This ain't it. Nope. Yeah, that's the. I mean, we'll talk about it later if there's still time in the show. But I played Rainbow Six Extraction, and it's got one thing going for it, and it's that it feels like another older game in Rainbow Six Vegas. But otherwise, it is a class-based level up each class individually to unlock things, unlock cosmetics based, like, just repeat the same levels over and over again. And the shooting, eh, like, eh, like that kind of coattails into mine, is just, like, making every game an open-world game. And this has maybe been my gripe for six years, is just, like, every game doesn't need uh, to, to be this. Uh, there's there's plenty of games, and I'm including, like, something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, even in just like having the ability to travel the map, having the ability to to backtread and stuff like that. Guardians of the Galaxy is now uh, an example of no. Uh, keep the narrative pushing forward. Don't include side quests. Make the main narrative so gripping and important for the characters to continue along that it you can then curate the pacing. So maybe what I'm actually complaining about is open world pacing and the idea of just like well. The game's only this long, and we only have this many story missions, but we've littered the world with inconsistent side quests uh, that range from bad to okay, uh, but they're going to completely fuck over the main quest pacing and, and stuff like that. And it, we, we see it time and time again, and this year was no different. They're still making Far Cry games. Uh, yeah. Something like Outriders, I think, also had kind of like an, an open world system where you could travel between areas and stuff like that. I don't need it. Uh, I, I much prefer the 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 well-paced narrative experience for the majority of games yes there's still room for open world games yeah. and exploration based games yeah i think um, you look at something like breath of the wild and you're like no like that's a good example of how an open world game should be structured because going forward right like yeah. now we have we have elden ring about to come out and that's a game where it's just like you know take it at your own pace if you're if you're the kind of person that needs to you just want to push forward see the end or see as much of the game as yeah. possible and well then just play it like a dark Souls. yeah but. and especially in a souls game they're not going to push some narrative that like the world's fucking ending and if you don't do it in two seconds then uh let's 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 talk about what I'm really talking about here, and it's Halo Infinite. And, like, it's not entirely fair because Halo Infinite's been a game that's been in development hell for, like, let's say six years. Uh, but this game comes out basically half-baked as an open-world game. It gives you a grappling hook to fuck around on some cliffs with. Uh, but beyond that, why is this game open-world? Halo did a really good job before of having a, a, a breadth of levels, some of which you jump into a warthog and speed around yeah. and give the, uh, yeah, the yeah. illusion uh, of a, a large map, but ha being able to traipse around it for what they filled it with, it's almost a joke. Like, it's almost like a parody of an open world game. Yeah. Uh, where there's like, well, what do open world games have? Well, they have towers, they have targets you have to go and kill, they have, and they did nothing beyond that. No, they did yeah. nothing to push the I, I would think it's even simpler than that, Lee. I think they were looking at the Halo series and just like, how can we revitalize this? They looked at every other game from the past, you know, five, ten years even, like you said. And they're like, oh yes. well, we'll just make it open world. Uh, and then they did. I mean, in many. And then they put it, they didn't put any more thought into it. So yeah, like you said, this worst ongoing series. Yeah, we're, we're staring down the barrel of Pokemon Arceus coming out this uh, this Friday. Yeah, and in many regards, you could look at that on paper as them doing the same with the Pokemon series. Yeah, so like, we'll see. Yeah, they're like, this is getting stale. What do we do? We'll just make it open world and put a bunch of shit on the map. And it's not like like breath of the wild where they looked at the series and they're like, it's not getting stale. Like people still love Zelda, but how can we 
like look at a different aspect. Like we've done story Zeldas before, and we've done exploration Zeldas before in Wind Waker and stuff like that. But you know, how do we make something that's different now? And it's like, well, let's make this open world one that doesn't have a a prioritized plot, and you kind of you know explore and discover your own story. Um, So yeah, I think all games you you can't do both. Yeah, Halo attempts to do both. Yeah, Yeah. I think you have to do something like Breath of the Wild nowadays, or something like God of War, which is a semi-open world. You have you have like hub areas you can go to, and you unlock more of said hub area as you progress through the story in the game. Um, But yeah, I absolutely agree with you. If you're if you you can't have an open world game, and you can't also have a plot that like Fallout 4 or something for example that requires your utmost attention in kayfabe if you want to call it like video game kayfabe uh because it it ruins the it, it ruins the immersion first of all and then like you said yeah most of the generic shit you do on the side isn't even fun or immersive like as a as adding anything to the overall game it's just busy work so once again something like God of War 2018 where all the side stuff you do do uh, has very lengthy backstories to it at least sometimes it ties back into the main plot or at least has a very interesting story behind it and has a little bit of character development it's it kind of speaks more widely i think to what uh what was his name tim rogers was getting to in his cyberpunk review did you ever finish that by the way not all of it no he talks about how an open world game since gta on ps2 essentially is just like the thing the gameplay the main gameplay mechanic you will be inter- interfacing with, and a lot of these, see a lot of these IPs and Fallout and stuff. Like that, the whole time you're talking, I'm like, what if you made a narrative-based Fallout game that was basically just an FPS slash puzzle game, kind of like Half Life, and didn't have the open world? You were just like loaded into a level, get through this facility, you shoot a couple things, you do a couple puzzle solving things. That's great, but at the end of the day, uh, the IP is as shallow as I have to shoot a gun or I won't feel it's a Fallout game. And he kind of says that in his review of Cyberpunk is just like. It violence. It all comes back to violence. And what will the new violence be? We've decided at a certain point that this genre goes with this. We we need to extrapolate that that little bit. And Breath of the Wild is no is no different. You're there's still combat constantly in that. You're constantly preparing yourself for survival by carrying all these weapons and stuff like that. And do do we need it? We can't imagine a world without it. And I think both of our, our things kind of come back to that. It's just like destiny is only destiny because that shooting feels so good. Yeah. Uh, that you wouldn't fuck around with a game that's so obtuse. Yeah, you keep uh, in, playing. In what Des- it's yeah, you, you to keep do. playing Destiny so that your shooting can be even more shootier. Yeah, you're having even more fun with the shooting, and yeah. that's fine for Destiny. But then every other game that's trying to achieve uh, that level of replayability is just it's gonna it's gonna fall. Yeah, this combat's anyway, way yeah, too much time. Yeah, this combat's bad, and you're making me work so the combat will stay bad. <laughs> Yeah, that well, that was like a thing for the longest time too. Is like you start a game, especially like an open world game, where they're expecting you to spend fifty to hundred hours in it. Yeah, it's just like well, up front for the first fifteen hours, we've basically made the combat bad. Uh, Witcher is like that, right? Yes, it's like you're and so no. limited. Witcher, Witcher's combat always kind of just stays how it is, which is a little bit floaty and stays not bad. Yeah, and not very <laughs> responsive. But that's not why you play The Witcher. You play it because every single side's and another great example of how an open world game should be structured. If you are going to put a bunch of shit on the map, uh, at least, like have really good writing behind it because that's what Witcher Three is. It's ninety five percent side quests, but all those side quests, every single one of them is incredibly interesting always has like a point to it it's always uh thematic always has something going for it 
Um, but yeah, Witcher. You're right, Cyberpunk is very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Witcher doesn't have <laughs> Witcher doesn't have good combat, and it will never have good combat. But it doesn't need it because you're not playing it for that. It's not like bad. Sure. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, well, next up, biggest news story of 2021 in games. Read. Well, I'll just say it, and then you're probably going to have the same one. Then we'll just I'll let you talk about it, which is Blizzard Activision. Yeah, not even you don't even have to uh, like elaborate on that because at this point now between us recording last time, literally the day after we recorded, Microsoft has gone and opened up their wallet and spent just under sixty nine billion dollars uh, to acquire Activision Blizzard, and we'll talk more about that in the news or next week, or it's already been talked to death and what the actual implications of this are. People are acting really stupid about it. They're like, well. Call of Duty is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Yes, eventually. Call of Duty will be an Xbox exclusive. It's all based on contracts. Uh, so what, what Microsoft would like is for PlayStation to be like, you know, give us some of that Game Pass on our console too. And that's the backdoor way we'll get those games back on our platform. But I digress. That's Activision now. The entire year has been marred with uh, the, of course, I think since the summer or so, uh, all these allegations uh, from Blizzard, from Activision... Uh, the, the Activision Blizzard has has delayed number of games. They've been consolidating, moving things around, a lot of shadow stuff going on to the point where Bobby Kotick calls up Phil Spencer and says, hey, we'd be open to you buying us out. Apparently EA was also uh, interested in that, which would have been interesting. Um, so, yes, you have the, the repeated beating of Activision Blizzard in the news as they've been sued by the feds. They've been crumpling up and throwing away HR things. Uh, they have have a completely toxic and awful work environment. Uh, just recently, the, I believe the Raven software team, who is QA testing on, I want to say, Warzone, uh, they just unionized. And it's like 30 or so of them. Uh, so that's the first major video game studio to have a union in it. And it's, and it's brought on... For as bad as the conditions were, and for as as much as a lot of video game devs have talked about unionizing and stuff over the years, this is what this is what pushed it over. This is a huge story that'll have implications for years to come. There's a precedent now for this. And then on top of the cherry on the top of all this is they get fucking bought. And now Microsoft owns all those IPs dating back to the beginning of fucking video games. Activision runs deep, man. It goes back to the before either of us were born yep. uh, on consoles that that people were playing before we were born. So that's a huge catalog. That's a huge news story. And all we can we're, we're just kind of sitting and waiting now because apparently they won't take full control of Activision Blizzard until 2023. At which point you can fucking kick Bobby Kotick to the curb and call him a cunt or whatever. Uh, until then. <laughs> As yeah, as this is all closing, Microsoft can't really say one way or the other how they're intending to improve the the situation there. So the people who are working there, man, they they've basically got a year and a half, and they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if their jobs are safe. Uh, they don't know what Microsoft's plan is with them when they take over. Are they going to be consolidating studios? What does this company look for? Absolutely massive story uh, that we'll be talking about for years to come. And, uh, I mean, at the, at the end of it all, we're hoping that Microsoft, ad admittedly, as far as anybody knows, is a better place to work than Activision Blizzard in terms of all these things that have been going wrong, and hopefully they can right that ship. Uh, but Microsoft's monopoly on the video game industry grows ever strong, and uh, we could all be looking back on this and laughing if, say, the government steps in and says, hey, no, you know what? You can't buy Activision. That's still a possibility. Uh, but with Microsoft speaking so confidently and announcing it, uh, you would figure it's a done deal. So yeah, Activision Blizzard is the story of 2021 for sure. Uh, when you look at how that company began the year versus how they finished it, fucking crazy, man. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. That's yep. my biggest news story as well. 
Uh, All right, Reed, what is it? What is the most anticipated game? Oh, it's going to be a big shocker to you, I'm sure. It's Elden Ring, which is coming out in about 30-some days as of this recording. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Like, fuck, what can I say? I'm going into it fairly blind. I've seen a little bit of gameplay, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, but generally... You're going to play it blind like that guy who beat... uh... Yeah, beat it blind. (laughs) (laughs) Sekiro blindfold, yeah. Uh, so like I'm super excited about this game. I love the added mechanics like crouching, jumping, uh, like the Pokemon summoning, or whatever you want to call it. I'm very excited to see how the building as far as uh, characters go and stuff like that. Um, especially excited just to navigate the world and see how much like Dark Souls you can already exploit it or manipulate the game in such a way to your favor very early on in most of the titles if you know what you're doing. Uh, but in adding an open world or uh, an exploration section essentially to a game uh, opens up that uh, infinitely. Uh, it gives you the impression that perhaps you can go get a lot of things earlier than you're intended to if you uh, have the guile and the skill, which I'm always down to do those kinds of things. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to this title. It's absolutely going to be my favorite game of the year probably because I'm an absolute Dark Souls mark. Uh, and Super yeah. funny that you mentioned crouching and jumping. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, boys, we crouch in and we jump in this time. No, but, like, it's a huge deal, right? <laughs> like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> there's never been sneaking uh, in, Dark, in Dark Souls or Bloodborne, and there's never been, like, true actual jumping slash platforming in any sure. of these games either. Uh, so I have a, a two-pronged answer here, uh, which is kind of cheating. But yeah, yes, if I was is. to choose... Uh, a game series I've played over the years and enjoyed off and on, I've enjoyed the bad games as well as the good, is is James Bond. And, of course, the uh, folks at IO Interactive, the makers of the newest Hitman games, uh, are making a James Bond game. We haven't seen anything of it yet. Uh, we don't really know what kind of game. If it's just James Bond but it plays as Hitman, I mean, you're most of the way there in terms of an engine. Uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, and on top of that, I, I mean, it's got to be Breath of the Wild too. Like, what is that game? Uh, I it, it can be bad. Like here's here's the thing with me is I there are so many games to play now. There are so many good games yet to play that are already out. That it when a new game comes out and it's like eh you don't need you don't need to play this one. I'm okay with that for the most part. But Breath of the Wild being such uh you know a modern masterpiece, a lot of people would say a ten out of ten game uh, for what it did. Now it's being aped. It's been copied. Uh, you know all over the place uh, with what it brought to the table. And then hearing that Breath of the Wild two was initially just a, a big DLC for the first game that they've now extrapolated into a full-blown game. I'm very curious uh, on what that means. Is it's, it just more of the same game? It's a rhythm Would that dancing be okay? game. What's that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, they already did that. They did Cadence of Hyrule. Or oh, right, right, right. Uh, sort of. Uh, it's a rhythm game. I don't know, you don't really dance so much in it. Uh, but I'm, I'm highly curious about that and uh, and what what they're planning, what they got their sleeves. I don't even know that we see Breath of the Wild 2 this year, if I'm being completely honest Shake with things you. Shake things up. Let's, like, fucking, you only play as Zelda and you have to rescue Link. Fuck it. Like, that would be fine. There's 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 not never been a better time to do that, yep. in my opinion. Or or have you play as both characters. We've played as a fucking wolf, uh, but we haven't played as Zelda. Come on now. Yeah, fuck uh, it. Like, yeah, make it... Uh... You know, Metal Gear Solid 2, you know, you open up the game with Zelda for like an hour. I mean, with Link, sorry, for like an hour. You invade a tanker, you take down some Russians. Yeah, Link uh, dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then Link is presumed dead as you play Zelda for the rest of the game. Then you find out that you're part of a simulation being hacked by an AI. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Jesus. 
Let's really go balls to the wall with this Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I need scissors. Sixty-one. Uh, yeah, so it's the James Bond game from IO, and it's the uh, it's Breath of the Wild too. I just want to, what what more are they going to do? Yeah. I'm more excited to see if they try to push the envelope a second time, or they just because the last time this happened, Reed, we got Majora's Mask, which is one of my favorite games of all time. You took you took everything, you took your assets, you took everything you already had, and you leaned into the weirdest part of your game. Uh, people are already making comparisons. So what's the weirdest to... part of Breath of the Wild? Lee? What's the weirdest part of Breath of the Wild? The yeah. characters and the side quests and the 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 weirdness of it, which was the same for Ocarina into Majora's Mask. Oh, they're gonna you say the like, focus on. I thought you were gonna say like the glider. I'm like, okay, all glider, Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you're you're constantly gliding. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. In terms of gameplay, like all, the only thing that people are really clamoring for is like proper Zelda dungeons. Uh, if they can make full dungeons. That are exploitable in the way the shrines were in Breath of the Wild. That would be super hilarious and funny. Yeah, uh, like people just glitching through shit to to skip through dungeons. I think that would be awesome. Yep. Uh, and then give us more more permanent items. That's the thing that Breath of the Wild didn't really have. Is you get those power ups at the beginning where you can like throw bombs and make ice blocks and stuff like that. But then you don't. You know, you get the other power ups. You get the the different things from the mega beasts. But those are just traversal techniques or something to help what you already have. You don't get something like now you have the boomerang and you can go to this area you couldn't previously. The Breath of the Wild idea was just like no, go anywhere and you can do anything at any point. Uh, but of course, going in this direction versus that direction first might be advantageous to you. Yeah. Anyway, read. It's time. It's time. It's time for our top seven games of the year. We're going to start with our two unranked games of the year. You can consider these the seventh and sixth games of the year read what do you got for your seventh game of the year um these are the only these, these two are my only fucky ones like ones that like kind of have an asterisk with them so number seven i'm gonna put yakuza 7 for pc uh because yeah, yeah. this game actually came out in 2020 but it came out on pc for 2021 and i haven't beaten it yet um but what i have played is absolutely fantastic i've talked about it on the podcast before wonderful story one of the best main characters i've ever played in a video game uh classic jrpg action uh hilarious moments great party all that good stuff go check it out yakuza 7 wow Wow. Uh, my number seven game of the year uh coincidentally also goes to yakuza a series that i uh completed a couple more games of this year uh and yeah it's just a general shout out to the yakuza series these are fantastic jrpgs uh, that that people should fucking check out uh, the the arcing story here, uh, and and how they all kind of stick the ending in a satisfying way, uh, in terms of the story and everything you said that's in Like a Dragon is also in those earlier Yakuza games. Plenty of humor, uh, lots of lovable characters to keep you coming back, and uh, I can't wait to play more of the series. So both of us choose Yakuza, a series that didn't have a release in 2021 as our number seven <laughs> game of the year 2021. <laughs> Uh, what's your number six? My number six is Shin Megami Tensei Five from the Nintendo Switch. Uh, sure. The reason why this is so low, it would definitely be higher if I like fucking finished the game, but I'm only like 10 hours into the game before other games started coming out and I got distracted. And also, I think like my patience for turn-based JRPGs has diminished greatly over the years since I was a kid. Uh, like I just like I get I get bored more quickly, I guess. Um, but so so is it like I thought it would be? Is just like okay, it's another Shimigami Tensei game that comes with all the grinding and all yes. the yes, it's lack very... of story. No, there's <laughs> definitely lots of story. Uh, like I have, I've only played Digital Devil Saga besides Persona, of course. Um, but I would say equal amount of story to that, which is you know you're getting a cutscene every you know every little bit every time well, you get to a new section. 
What do you? I told you before on the podcast what happened. You got well, well. Yeah, I know. God's already dead, so you have to find the guy who killed God and kill him instead, right? That's or some a, shit like that. Yeah. Whatever. But no, like you got, and you got like a buddy with you this time. Like he's like your armor. He like absorbs into you to become like the person on the cover, basically. So you always have like, Damn. you always have the dude there to tell you the lore. So every time you're like, hey, what's this? You'll be like, hey, this is that, and it does this and it does that. And you're like, okay, thank you, and you go into your next section. I know there are parts later in the game that I haven't gone to where you do return back to your regular human world. And there are sure. other human classmates that you do interact with that also go to this demon world place. Um, so, yeah. like, But, yeah, what I, what I was saying before, um, from what I have played, though, very good game. Uh, music, of course, very unique, very fun and interesting. Uh classic shimigami action uh and they they do kind of like a semi-open world thing with it which is pretty neat and interesting uh where you can progress through it really quickly if you have to but there's also lots of places to explore and catch unique demons if you want to but yeah that's my number six shimigami tensei five because i've only played about 10 hours cool so this one uh, comes with an honorable mention too but my my number six is Ghost of Tsushima, Ika, Iki Island DLC, but also shout out to Legends, which we played the fucking shit out of this Hell year. Yeah. Uh, which has been out for a while, of course, but uh, we, we came back to it. And they they were adding content to it this year, which is fucking crazy. Uh, but yeah, Iki Island is fantastic. It is a great companion to the main game. If you are as in love with Ghost of Tsushima as I was, uh, it gives you another little map to do everything on. And this is contrary to, of course, what I said earlier about open world games, but Ghost of Tsushima straddling the line between the old and the new, giving you an environment that's fun to traverse, even if you aren't looking for an objective. The fact that there's stuff sprinkled throughout to get to is is great. Uh, you get a bunch of power-ups uh, and, and new stuff in this, this DLC, as well as if you start a New Game Plus, there's a bunch of hidden abilities and stuff like that. I did get a charm in New Game Plus that makes combat as bloody as possible, so you're cutting off as many arms as possible. Oh, that's uh, sick. That shit's all fun, on top of you just being a god, because you have all your abilities from the end of the game. Uh, horse armor? Hell yeah. Let's go. Uh, the, the story's great, like I said. It's a companion. Uh, it, it deals with uh, Jin's relationship with his father. Uh, and, and on equal parts, respecting who that man is and what he had to do. But also knowing that uh, he, he committed quite a few war crimes on that island in his day. Uh, and Jin kind of not trying to clear the name of his father and his last name. But saying that, hey, he is, he is not that same person. And he is here... Uh, uh, to help let's let bygones be bygones and you actually interact i don't know if you're going to go back and play but you do of course meet up with the literal murderer of your father uh in that dlc oh. and it's a story of uh forgiveness and then moving on and the the island and the all that it, man i love that there was more ghost of tsushima to play this year because i had a massive hole where that game was previously so <laughs> i am uh two trophies away from having 100% trophies in every... Of course, I have the Platinum already, but I need to beat that raid in Legends, and I need to just complete New Game Plus, and I've got them all. Right on. And uh, fuck yeah, that game. All right, number five, ranked. Reed, what is your number five game of the year? Uh, I'm very curious of what your list is. <laughs> yes, so my top five. So these are all actual games actually released in 2021. Um, okay. <laughs> and as a whole, 2021 was pretty fucking lackluster. So, you know... Yeah. So, you know... Uh, Number five is Aliens Fireteam Elite for the PC, <laughs> which speaking of like, spit out my fucking drink. which like speaking of fucking shitty Destiny clones, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, I think you know what? This game was cheap. It was not a full price release. 
It's on Game Pass now. Yeah, uh, they they never made no bullshit about what this game was. They got you into the action in like thirty fucking seconds. They're like, you're here to shoot aliens and like see the cool guns that you remember from the movie. And goddamn it, they were right. The classes are fun to use. The like very stable connection. Very. This is like top five good points. <laughs> stable connection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what would work really good in that game style is a Terminator game that's set in the future. If you're just playing as the humans blasting robots all the time yeah, in like a sure. environment, fuck it. Yeah. No. Yeah, honestly, right. they should release DLCs for it. And, like, here's the Predator DLC. Here's yeah, the sure. Terminator DLC. Here's the fucking Stranger Things. <laughs> Here's your Stranger Things <laughs> DLC. I don't know. Stranger Things. <laughs> Dan, got the Dan Harbor skin. Here's Let's your Attack on Titans DLC. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, that's that's my number five. Alien Square Team Elite because it was surprisingly all right. It goes to show you that if your game is fun, you, you're willing to overlook a lot of the if the if the game is has a good Dewey to it if you're just sitting in front of it and you're like I'm having a good time. It goes that's to all show it you if you don't charge me a full eighty dollars and you don't make any fucking comms about what your game is up front. Like they are like they did not hide that this game is a shitty fucking wave attacking Destiny clone. And I was like <laughs> I'm fine with this. All right, my number five goes to the Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise DLC. Oh my god! Uh, which is a, it, which is a game onto itself on top of the massive update they dropped on this game, which reinvigorated it, uh, almost like a sequels level of content uh, dropped on us all at once, including the the DLC thing, which is a game onto itself for for dozens of hours of fun. Uh, they they did it. They went quiet for a long time, but by God, when they opened their mouth back up. Here it is, and I'm hoping this did well enough um, that they consider to keep making content for Animal Crossing because they were pretty clear that this is it. We we saved all these updates to drop them on to, to blow a massive load, uh, the Animal Crossing Bukaki load on on your face. But there's nothing left. Uh, we've we've emptied. I don't know why this is the analogy I went for, uh, but that is a fantastic game. Happy Home Paradise. You can get it with the expansion online pass if you're already playing Animal Crossing. Chances are you already have the online pass. So this is. Uh, you know, let Nintendo hose you down. There's that analogy again. And uh, play some Happy Home Paradise. Sure. Which is uh, great. It's fantastic. Your number four game, Reed. My number four game is Pokemon uh, Brilliant Pearl Shining Diamond, whatever the fuck they're called. Damn, just barely beat out Aliens Fire Team. <laughs> yeah, just barely. <laughs> I don't, like, like what, what is there to say, you know? It's 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 a remake of, it's pretty much exactly the same as the old Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. It's classic Pokemon. It's missing all the shit I really like from Pokemon, uh, <laughs> but it's like it's it's way better than Sword and Shield as far as the main story goes. So it has that going yeah, for man. it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my number four Pokemon Shining Diamond. What a shining recommendation for me. I I like that game if only just because it feels like an old Pokemon game. Yeah, that, that's way it, that, that that's exactly it. It's because it's yeah. old Pokemon, but with a new coat of paint. And you're like, okay, this is good. This is this Speaking is of Pokemon, good. <laughs> Uh, we got we got a sequel, fucking like twenty eight years in the making in New Pokemon Snap. That's your number four uh, for the Switch. That's my number four game. Oh and let me tell God. you something about New Pokemon Snap. Uh, they've released a, a big chunk of DLC for completely free uh, for this game. You can go check out. This is a game 
when you think of a game from your from your childhood and you're like, man, why have they never followed this up? Why have they never done this on 3DS? Why have they completely abandoned this IP? It was a really cool thing that a lot of people liked. The, the gameplay mechanics would barely have to be changed. And let me tell you, they took that to heart because this is exactly uh, Pokemon Snap with more. Uh, this is the classic sequel thing of just like, hey, you like that old game? Here it is again. But we fucking packed this thing to the gills with everything you liked about that. We we barely innovated here, sure, <laughs> uh, but we've we've packed it. They've they've packed it with challenges. They packed it with hours upon hours of gameplay. They varied up the courses you go through. Uh, so you have day, night, uh, reverse course. Changed up the Pokemon that appear. They, they uh, all the great interactions are still there where you can interact with the Pokemon in the in the the environment and find secret Pokemon hidden. Uh, things in the environments there they took the Mew boss fight from the N64 and they made that a every level has its own kind of like a camera boss fight um <laughs> oh it's cryptic God. there's they they hide stuff uh they they gauge your progression behind you actually figuring out uh riddles and finding things in the environment uh it is just Pokemon Snap with more but in a very very like you did it uh, it's great to see all these Pokemon in, rendered in these in this way as well. Of course, it's an on rails game, uh, so you can really push the switch to the limit. Like this is the best looking po- Pokemon game uh, probably, other than Unite on PC maybe. Uh, but in terms of like seeing the Pokemon in their habitats, interacting with one another, it's fucking great, man, and it's super chill too. That's the thing, you know. You can just sit back, relax uh, at nighttime, seeing the Caterpies eating some leaves, maybe take a picture of them, beam one in the head with an apple, uh, do whatever the fuck you want. It's a good time. New Pokemon Snap. Big recommend. Uh, next, number three. Number three for me would be Chivalry 2 for the PC. Yeah, Chival- hell yeah. Yeah, Chivalry 2 is just a good goddamn time. You get in there, you just find a match, and you start swinging, baby. It's just... You start screaming. Yeah. For every <laughs> for every kid that loved watching those, uh, you know, those fucking ancient war movies or, like, Lord of the Rings or anything like that. <laughs> I think you see Deadliest Warrior there. <laughs> yeah, our Deadliest Warrior. Yeah, especially Deadliest Warrior. Um, with just two armies rushing at each other with a sword swinging and guys ganging up on each other, like, this is it. Like, this is the game to play. Um, yeah. super fun time. Memes. Yeah, super fun time. Simple to easy, uh, easy to understand, hard to master controls, uh, which is always good time. Uh, just really fun scenarios. Uh, really like from the people I've interacted with in game, it's usually always funny and stuff. So yeah, Chivalry Two. That's my number three. Really fun, surprising game, and it's not full price, which is also a bonus. They should have subtitled it. It should have been Chivalry Two: Taking the Piss. Should have been the name of the game. Yeah, sure. Uh. So my number three is a is a PC indie game. Now I played a lot of these uh, this year, and there's there's some that I didn't play enough to include here. Uh, that's including stuff like In- Inscription, which is a number one game of the year for a lot of people out there, uh, which is like a triple pack of deck building card games on top of a really intricate uh, cryptic story that people have loved un- unraveling. That does a, co- a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so honorable mention to that game here. Procession to Calvary also uh, was a fantastic uh, PC game that I just discovered this year. But if I lost a week of my life to a game called Loop Hero. Uh, and this game is, I think, available on pretty much everything now. It is a game uh, that is a run-based game. You uh, you have a town that you're building up with the few things you get to carry with you between runs. Uh, you basically just 
suffice to say, you are a guy versus evil. You unlock different classes uh, that have different things. And then the actual loop of the game is your character is walking in a loop on a path, and you get different tiles, and you place them around the path to change the gameplay, to get resources, uh, to make enemies for your uh, guy to fight, to make him stronger. Uh, Great look to the game, great ambience, good visuals, uh, the sound, everything's uh, hitting here. And it's a very chill game you could get lost in for a couple of hours. Uh, and uh, big recommend, Loop Hero. Check it out. Number two. So number two for me is a PS5 exclusive that came in 2021 and a game, a follow-up to a series that I loved since I was a childhood, and that would be Ratchet & Clank, A Rift Apart. Um, I thought this was an incredibly solid title. Uh, I very much enjoy my time with it. It was paced pretty much perfectly as far as like time having to put into it, especially to get everything that you want out of it. I think I platinumed it sure. at the time. Um, but yeah, Double it was brag. yeah. <laughs> but it was it was very much uh, what I wanted out of Ratchet and Clank. What I remember as a kid, uh, you have your very fun, colorful levels, and each level has its kind of own gimmick to it or own unique thing to do on it. Uh, tons of weapons to upgrade and see how they evolve is always incredibly fun. The new characters they added, the the female lawbacks voiced by Jennifer Hale is fantastic, as well as her robotic partner. And those robotic partners switch with Ratchet and her uh, throughout the game, so you can always have different uh, partner dynamics and stuff. Um, so yeah, this, the story was solid. The gameplay was solid. Like, everything about it was just like pretty good all around. There's, there's no real complaints from that game for me, aside from the fact that, like, it's not really doing anything too out of the box or Ratchet and Clank, and it's not pushing the envelope with the story or anything, so... There's a there's a theme with your, your list this year. It's, just, it's not story, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not a lot of games coming yeah. out this year, except for the one coming out after. Um, for uh, Except my number one, that blew me away in that regard, but... Ratchet and Clank, I did love its story and its characters and everything like that, of course. Um, but yeah, really solid game. Absolutely worth the money I put for it. And a, and a good standalone uh, exclusive for the PS5. Cool. Uh, I am flip-flopping on my number two and my number one. Initially, I was going to cop out and say there is no number one game of the year. Because oh, I felt yeah. very strongly that I would just be naming a game of the year to name a, a, the, a game that was pretty good that came out this year. But I have changed my... my tone uh i'm gonna go with number two as guardians of the galaxy sorry marvel's guardians of the galaxy sorry idos montreal's marvel's guardians of the galaxy <laughs> uh this is a game that has a ton of heart unfortunately as we talked about last episode uh square enix sucks uh at at cutting a trailer they at propping up a game at selling this game for what it is after that avengers game came out and making this stand alone as something that is uh fantastic amazing storytelling a great narrative if you like the guardians of the galaxy characters they are the best here uh gamora stands out uh, although the other characters are basically just like more of what you like but gamora here is is much more enjoyable as a character um the conflict between them how your you interact with them as peter quill how you feel like you're part of the story and that the game is just the pacing man is just perfect. Like I said, cut the side content out. Put some collectibles in the game where if I run into an alley, I find a costume or something. That's fine. Uh, but keep me on the, on the straight and narrow and have a plot that is super important. Uh, filled with really colorful and interesting characters. Uh, gameplay that is completely sufficient. Uh, some great 
puzzle solving stuff throughout, new abilities you obtain. The combat just gets better as you go uh, when you kind of learn to exploit it. Say, much in the way Final Fantasy VII worked, where you're just like, oh, focus on the stagger above all else and then just unleash hell. That's the same deal here. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is absolutely fantastic. People should give it a try. Don't believe what you've heard or seen. Uh, well, I guess believe what you've heard, because people have come around on this game and been like, oh, no, wait, this is good. Ah, oh, fuck. It's it's a shame no one bought it. All right, number one game of the year, Reed. What do you got? Uh, simple for me, that would be Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So this would be the first time yeah, I ever played the Mass Effect games. It was released in 2021. God damn it, it's my I game I thought you year. would go with Resident Evil 2 if that was the criteria. Well, no, but like... The Mass Effect Legendary Edition was released in 2021. Resident Evil 2 Remake yeah, was not. Okay. Uh, so this totally counts, in my opinion. Uh, this is my first time <laughs> playing the trilogy. I can absolutely, yeah, I can absolutely understand why people have fallen so deeply in love with these characters and with these stories. It's because, I mean, not the, so much the stories, because like the overall Reaper plot is kind of like whatever to me. But like the actual characters, Garrus, Liara, Tali. Uh, especially Shepard, all the interactions you have, how you can shape your character. It's all just fantastic. It's absolutely Bioware at their peak when it comes to just writing good stuff. Um, I can't speak for vanilla Mass Effect 3, but the Mass Effect 3 I played in Legendary Edition was fucking fantastic. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, the ending had me in absolute tears the whole time. I, I loved... Uh, I loved how every decision you had to make, how it was all difficult choices. I loved, uh, like, like when it came to the romance scenes and everything like that, like, they never shied away from, like, what this should be, uh, how these characters should flirt and everything like that. And it's all cheesy goodness that gives you a big smile on your face, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, Mass Effect is, like, yeah, all three games, what a way to shape a world, uh, shape aliens, Listen to that codex is just a great time to get all this lore. And yeah, but especially the characters and the character interaction is why I think people keep going back to Mass Effect. Yeah, hell yeah. Great games. Uh, It's just out on Game Pass now. I just downloaded it. Uh, So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was going to take my number one slot because it is, like I said, it is everything... It's taking Eidos Montreal, it's giving them a massive, unlimited budget, it's letting them make the best game they can with the property they had, and they knocked it out of the fucking park. However, on the flip side of that, uh, my number one game is XO1, which is an indie game, uh, which nails sci-fi perfectly in a video game in a way... You know when you watch or read or play a really good sci-fi anything, and it leaves... A lot of questions, yeah. like in an ambiguous way, but yeah. not in an unsatisfying way. In a way where you're immediately like, "What did this mean?" And then you realize that you're, it means whatever it means to you, and the fun of it is now going and discussing with other people what they thought it meant. Uh, and that's not easy to do uh, in in video games or any medium uh, to leave you with that that like I beat this game and I have not stopped thinking about it. I have what I think happens in this game. And it's not a game that's, like, narratively heavy, either. It is a UFO flying simulator. Reed, I know we're up against it here, so if you need to drop it at any time, I'll just talk to myself. Just let me know. Uh, You begin the game uh, with some flashbacks. You know that there's been some kind of accident. It's the the near future. Uh, We've sent astronauts to Jupiter. There's been an accident. There's one survivor. He's the commander of the ship, and he has massive survivor's guilt. This is all told to you through, uh, like, PTSD flashes and little bits of dialogue in between levels. What are the levels? Well, you are piloting a UFO, sort of, like a probe, 
uh, through these different alien worlds. You are heading towards some kind of light. You are getting on it and you are being transferred. Uh, you know, you're being flung through space to another planet and you're trying to work your way somewhere. And you kind of deduct as you're playing this that who who am I? What is this UFO craft? Blah, 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 blah. Am I the commander flying this craft? What the fuck is going on? Uh, and then the like loneliness and the dread and the setting of space and the atmosphere just comes crashing down on you. And all you're doing is flying a UFO as fast as you can uh, using physics and the different abilities you get with this UFO to glide and stuff like that across these alien landscapes. And you're trying to do it as quickly as you can while taking in these these environments. And then you, with the story, and I can't really spoil it even if I wanted to because I would be telling you my interpretation of the story. Um, it, whether or not the story even happens is is interesting. Uh, it's creepy. There's no English dialogue. Everything is read to you in these muffled computer voices like you don't understand English language anymore. And from what I can gather from it, if this intrigues anybody to go and play it, is that the alien plans were sent to Earth after this accident happened. The commander has safely returned to Earth and he has survivor's guilt that he's the only one that didn't die of his crew. And he, he knows there's a way to go back. He knows there's a way to fix this. Uh, alien plans are beamed to Earth and uh, it's for a probe. And they're trying to get different pilots to fly this probe to test it. Uh, and he knows it was sent for him. He knows deep in his soul that he is the one to fly this craft. What he, what his journey is, what he needs to do, he doesn't know. He just knows it was sent for him and that he'll be able to save his crew if he completes his journey. Which is basically like, at the end of it, they're, they're not allowing him to fly this thing. He pays an informant. He gets in this craft or is becomes part of the craft. There's some ambiguousness of not being able to return home. That flying this thing is basically the end of your life. It's a one-way trip. Uh, basically the game ends with a black hole and a time paradox and, uh, it just leaves you kind of in awe of, of like its own, how simple it is. And it nails everything. The gameplay is fun. It's fun to fly the UFO. The music is perfect. The creepiness of the dialogue, uh, the way they tell this story in little bits that jumps around in time and you're just trying to piece it together to the point where you do just want to get to the end of, of that planet just to get a little bit more of this story. Uh, and there'll be times, anytime you are uh, in the clouds struck by lightning or you dive underwater or you crash into something, uh, horrifying <laughs> images uh, will pop up on the screen quickly, almost like in, like a fucking horror game where you're seeing like pictures of the astronauts or you're seeing Jupiter or you're seeing like fire and you're just like, what the fuck is, this is awesome. Uh, and I absolutely adored this game. Uh, back to front and uh, recommend it to anyone who thinks it, it likes a little subtle sci-fi. And uh, if anybody wants to talk about it, I'll be on fucking Reddit. I had to go on the internet to talk about this game with people because there's no one else I've known who's played it. And it wouldn't be something I can just explain to you my interpretation of it and have you have it mean anything to you. It would just be like me explaining the story to you, but that's not the case because I don't know what I'm saying is even accurate. It's fucking awesome. X01, check it out. That's game of the year. Reed, are you still with me? Yep. Oh my god. 